You're listening to The Sigrun Show, episode number 273. In this episode, I talk to Rachel Baxter-Cook on how to be a CEO in your business and plan your best year ever. Welcome to The Sigrun Show. I'm your host, Sigrun, creator of Samba, the MBA program for online entrepreneurs. With each episode, I'll share with you inspiring case studies and interviews to help you achieve your dreams and turn your passion into profits. Thank you for spending time with me today. Building an online business takes time. I share with you proven strategies to help you get there faster. You'll also learn how to master your mindset, up-level your marketing, and succeed with masterminds. On today's episode, I talk to Rachel Baxter-Cook, who helps female entrepreneurs in the health and wellness industry simplify their business and amplify the results by designing a business around what works best for them. Rachel is also a speaker and best-selling author of the books Fired Up and Focused and Your Business Sweet Spot. In this episode, we talk about how to plan your best year ever as a CEO. Go to signal.com forward slash 273 and there you find links to Rachel Baxter-Cook and the show notes of this episode. I am so excited to be here with Rachel Baxter-Cook and talk about how to plan your best year ever as a CEO. Thank you for coming on the show, Rachel. Thanks so much for having me, Sigrun. It's so great to reconnect and to catch up with you. So I always start by telling people how I know somebody or how we connected, because I generally don't invite people that I don't know on the show. It's actually been only twice, and it was quite uncomfortable because I couldn't do the storytelling in the beginning, <laughs> how I knew the person. So Rachel and I, we did both B-School, right? And somehow we connected through a mutual friend who wanted to set up like a, you know, free flowing, what do you call a free mastermind? And it was the three of us and we masterminded, was it monthly or maybe twice a month? Yeah, for a while. For a while, for several months. And then uh, it was a mutual agreement to kind of uh, stop doing the mastermind and do something else. And I guess this goes back to saying, we were discussing before I hit record on the show that being in a paid mastermind is actually probably better because these free-flowing masterminds generally don't work out. So that was also my experience in this case. But I connected with Rachel and I think that was great. So I think you've always been like, we've been doing our separate things for the last two, three years. And I saw your beautiful website the other day because I'm going through a rebranding process and we have worked with the same person. And so I was like, oh, Rachel, he's mentioning Rachel. We need to talk again. So that's why I connected with you. And I am so excited about this topic because that's exactly what I want to talk about too. So, but now I'm interviewing you about it. So Rachel, before we dive into the planning topic, can you go back and talk about your journey as an entrepreneur. I know you were doing something before what you do today. And I think that's always interesting for the listeners to hear about that. Yes, it's been a long and winding journey as many are. So I've been working with entrepreneurs, small business owners, startups, executives for over 15 years now. I came right out of my MBA program 
where I was working with incubators and I was working with the startup scene, especially biotech startups, got recruited into a consulting career, which is the path that I think most MBAs come out of, right? Like you get your MBA and you're either going into finance or you're going into consulting. (laughs) And I went into both. I went into financial consulting and they specifically wanted me because my MBA is in entrepreneurship and small business. And I had been working with entrepreneurs and small business owners while getting my MBA. So I went into the corporate world and that is when I learned first of all, so much that I'm very grateful for. You learn so much about leadership and about team and about how to grow and scale something, about how to get out there in front of people. So that was an amazing training ground for me, but it was brutal. It was being in my car, driving up and down the East Coast. I had clients from Atlanta where I was living all the way up to DC. I was always on the road and it got to the point several years into that where I completely burned out. And I was at the point where I had my first panic attack and then every week I was having a panic attack. And I remember pulling my little Prius off on the side of the interstate and thinking, I'm going to kill myself. I cannot, like, I can't do this anymore. So the 75 hour week grind being on the road, it just wasn't a fit for me. And in all honesty, the businesses I was working with, while they were massively successful, I was not super interested in them. Like industrial pump machining or (laughs) utility design, all these random things that I wasn't super interested or passionate about. And what happened was when I turned in my leave of absence, because I wasn't sure I was ready to leave, I just knew I needed to like take care of myself. I was too young to be having panic attacks and everything. And I ended up on a yoga mat for three months while I was on my leave of absence. And my yoga teacher came to me and said, because at that time we'd become really good friends, Rachel, I know you don't want to go back to consulting or it's just not a good fit for you right now, but I've been running the studio for a year. I'm afraid I'm going to have to close the doors. I'm not sure what to do. Can you help me? Can you take a look and give me some support? And I was thinking, oh yeah, sure. I can help you out. So I ended up running her studio and within a few short months, turning it around because to me it was very, it made sense. I was like, I can take what I've shown these multi-million dollar small businesses, small because they only had maybe 25, 50 employees, but they were high revenue generating businesses. I could take that and apply it to these smaller companies that were run by one person or a very small group of people. And so when I did that, she started telling her friends because it's a small community. The yoga world is very small. And she literally said to me, I think you should teach a, a workshop and you should call it Yogi Perner teaches marketing or something like that. So she gave me the name of my first brand. And from there, I was like, it was such a light bulb moment. Like it never occurred to me, never occurred to me that, hey, there are these like, I would have traditionally called it like a mom and pop style business, a super small micro business. So that was my first leap on my own was when I realized, holy cow, there's this whole world that I can serve. And the best part is, I'm using the skills and the talents and the education and the experience I have, but I'm really working with people that I believe in what they're doing because I could see the power of yoga. I could see the power of holistic healthcare. I use those things to heal myself after my burnout. And so that became my jumping off point. And fast forward, you know, I'm getting all these people from the yoga world because if you go into a very specific clear niche, word spreads. 
they all were like, oh, I worked with Rachel. Rachel helped me turn around my studio. Rachel helped me launch my teacher training. Rachel helped me do this. And then I got pregnant with my kids, my twins, and realized, okay, I can't teach in person. I can't meet people in person as easily. What can I do? And this was 2010, right when GoToWebinar was now a thing that was affordable and accessible. And I realized I could take what I was teaching in person, like actually going to studios and teaching 15 or 20 people at a time how to market their business. I was like, I could turn this into a webinar and just teach it online. Cool. Let's do an online workshop. And this whole new world opened up to me, which allowed me to, again, continue doing the work I love, but now stay home with my kids. So it's been 10 years now. And that's kind of the path that I've been on over the 10 years specifically, I want to say back in 2015, I just got to the point where I had a ton of yoga entrepreneurs I'd been serving and I was getting more people coming into my world. And they were saying, Rach, I'm not a yoga teacher, but I'm a health coach. Rach, I'm not a yoga teacher, but I'm a life coach. I'm a parenting coach. I am a relationship coach. I'm a coach for women who just got divorced. I'm a coach for whatever. A lot of coaches coming to me and saying, I'm not a yoga teacher, but I really love what you're talking about. I applied this that you shared and it worked for me. Could I take your program? Could I work with you? And so that's when I went through the whole rebrand, which you have seen. And I worked with Sarah Onkama, who you also interviewed and really decided, you know what, it's time to just be me and continue sharing the work that I share, teaching people, especially those in the, I call them the live your best life people in the health and wellness lifestyle area how to run successful businesses on their terms and really live a life that they've been dreaming of while growing a business they're proud of. Mm. That's such a great story how you, you know, I love it when it's like kind of organic. Someone points something out to you and then you just take it and you run with it and then you make this discovery and that discovery and then you end up in a beautiful place where exactly where you're meant to be. I could have never imagined 10 years ago when I turned in my resignation, it was kind of like, well, here I go. I'm taking a massive pay cut to go run a yoga studio. Let's see what happens. <laughs> I could have never imagined because it didn't exist. This concept to me, the way I'm running my business now, no one was talking about this 10 years ago. So you kind of had to make it up as you go along. But honestly, I feel like the world is changing so much. I can't tell you where I'll be 10 years from now in my business, just because I know things are going to continue to evolve at an even faster pace, because that's what's been happening the last couple of years. Yeah, exactly. I was filling out a form earlier today, and it said, what's your 10-year vision? And I'm like, well, I have a mission in life. You know, I want to accelerate gender equality through female entrepreneurship. But what will I be doing in 10 years? We have no idea. Right? I totally agree with you. I feel my calling is to empower more women to create success on their terms because honestly, the corporate world was not designed for what a lot of women I speak to want. A lot of women I speak to want to have great relationships. They want to have friendships. They want to do work that's meaningful. They want to have kids and be there for them. And I talked to so many women, especially who there was a time where what was their dream job just stopped working for them the moment that they made a major life change, especially becoming a mom or having to take care of parents or one of those different things. So if the rules of the game aren't working for us anymore, if we're trying to fit into like this 
corporate paradigm that was not really built for how our lives look. I'm here to help people re-change the game. Like let's redesign it so that it works for you. Because I'm like a lot of the women that you probably see as well. I've got young kids. I've got aging parents and a disabled mother. I've got responsibilities outside of my business. So I need my business to work for me. And I don't want to, and I could never be in a job where I didn't have the flexibility to run and help my mom if I needed to. And that's something that I'm just really passionate about because we're the sandwich generation, right? Like we're this generation squeezed by all these other obligations. And how else are we going to do the work that we know we're called to do if we don't set it up to work for us? Yeah, so true. So when you did the rebranding, did you leave that yoga, did you leave that completely behind or did you take them with you on this journey and now it's just under your brand, under your personal brand, Rachel Baxter Cook, right? Yeah, everything's under Rachel Cook now. I literally just dropped everything from the yogipreneur into Rachel Cook and kind of, I did take them along the journey of what was happening as we were rebranding. And as you are experiencing now, it was like a nine month process. It was like birthing a baby. (laughs) It was a long process. So there were plenty of opportunities to show people like, Hey, this is why we are folding everything under this new umbrella and the direction that we're going. Mm. Yeah, I love it. I'm in the middle of this process. So yeah, nine months just feels about right when I look at our time plan as well. (laughs) So let's talk about planning as a CEO. How does that topic fit into helping people in the way that you help them? Yes. I feel like one of the biggest challenges I see for women entrepreneurs, especially the women that I work with, is a lot of them are coming to the work that they're doing, not because they have a strong business background or ever dreamed of necessarily becoming a business owner. A lot of them, they're coming to it because they have a passion for the work that they're doing. So they have a passion for yoga. They have a passion for health. They have a passion for helping parents, like whatever it is that they're coming with. It's because of that passion. It's not because of the business side of it. And what tends to happen, you know, it's this whole, you know, almost right brain, left brain thing. They have this creative energy, all of this passion, but they don't necessarily have the structure to support them when they walk out of being in the corporate world or the traditional business world. So when you're an, when you're an employee, there's so much put in place to help you succeed that you don't even have to think about, right? Like imagine you're a website designer. There's a lot of amazing companies here in my hometown of Richmond, Virginia that are like advertising agencies. If you're a designer in an advertising agency, you don't have to go out there and find the client. You don't have to go out there and invoice the client. You don't have to manage all of the client communication. You don't have to figure out payroll. You don't have to figure out taxes. You don't have to figure out, you know, how to market and grow so that you attract those clients. All you have to do is sit down and design. So as an entrepreneur, you have to take on all of those tasks that previously there was a massive team to take on. And that is not a small undertaking. It's huge. And it does require a big mindset shift because if you're going to work for yourself, You've got to be willing to take that leap from being an employee where your role is super defined and super clear and you basically are responsible for just one thing to being a CEO where your role is not as super 
defined. You've got to have your eyes on all of the areas of the business. You've got to know and understand what marketing is doing and what sales is doing and what the financials look like and what operations are happening. Like you've got to be able to look at this from a big picture perspective. So that's a lot of the work I've been doing behind the scenes with my clients is helping them really get a, a stronger foundation for what it looks like to step into the role of CEO. Because when you step into that role, amazing things start to happen. You start to feel more confident in your business and your abilities, and you actually free up a lot of mental energy <laughs> that was spent previously kind of just flying by the seat of your pants trying to figure it out as you go. When you step into the role of CEO, you're in a much more empowered position to make better decisions for your business. Mm, yeah. Having been a CEO myself, I know the difference from going from the CEO role into an entrepreneur and a startup that's quite, quite, quite different. And you have to actually relearn to be a CEO again, because you can get stuck in all the stuff that you need to do. So how do you get them to kind of think of themselves as a CEO and then possibly outsource and delegate tasks that they can easily, they can do it, but maybe they shouldn't? Oh, this is so good. So one of the things I love to share with people, and I can give you a graphic to put in your show notes because this makes it super clear, is a strategy that I learned called an entrepreneur scorecard. And this is basically where you take all of the little tasks we are in charge of that our business has to do in order to function, and we give them all a value. So tasks range from $10 an hour to $10,000 an hour. Well, one of the most telling things I get whenever I work with my clients is I'll say, okay, I want you to actually track your work over the next week. Let's see if you are focused on CEO level work or if you're still stuck in employee level work. Well, it's pretty clear if they track out their hours over the course of a week because $10 an hour tasks are going to be very admin focused, maybe some customer service types of things, but it's going to be like answering emails, scheduling social media posts, doing your bookkeeping, tweaking your website endlessly. You know, those are things that while they probably need to be done, we shouldn't just ignore our inbox. At the end of the day, that's not revenue generating activity. It's not actually moving your business forward. When you start to move up the ladder, you know, from $10 an hour to $100 an hour, those types of tasks are more skilled. So if you outsource them, you're outsourcing them to somebody who is doing it better than you could, definitely. These are things like designing graphics or designing your website, copywriting, taking photos, things like that. They're more skilled. Even project management, I would put in this bucket. These are things that are going to cost more for you to outsource because you do want someone who knows what they're doing. <laughs> but they're also not really going to grow your business dramatically. Like I have definitely fallen in the trap of thinking, oh, I just need a designer. And if I have a designer to make all my social media graphics look pretty, it will grow my business. They're not necessarily revenue generating directly. Once you get to the $1,000 an hour to $10,000 an hour tasks, this is where you're really changing the game in your business. So $1,000 an hour tasks are going to be focused on strategic planning. So anytime you have what I call a CEO date where you're blocking off time to plan what your next launch is going to be or to take a look at what you're accomplishing in the next quarter, 
that is strategic planning. Strategic planning is incredibly valuable to your business. In fact, Brian Tracy says every hour you spend planning saves 10 hours in implementation. So I set aside an hour every single week just to plan, just to make sure I am on top of whatever we're working on. Under the $1,000 an hour bucket, this is also where I would put any type of sales work you're doing that is one-to-one. So if I'm having sales conversations one-to-one, that's obviously revenue generating higher value to my business. If I'm out there writing, or if I'm writing sales copy, I would say that's super valuable. Getting into the $10,000 an hour bucket is where I operate now. It took me a while to get here. (laughs) It took me a long time to get here, but it is what allows your business, you start thinking about not only having a six-figure business, but a multiple six, a seven-figure business. The people who are running multiple six and seven-figure, even eight-figure businesses, they are not doing the same tasks that they were when their business was making 100K a year. Their priorities have shifted. They've moved up the value ladder here. So if you're doing $10,000 an hour activities, this now is going to be marketing and sales one-to-many. These are major visibility and outreach campaigns. These are getting interviewed. So thank you, Sigrun, for giving me a $10,000 activity today. (laughs) I love it. Adding that to my entrepreneur scorecard because it allows you to get in front of new audiences and new people. So if you look out there at people running amazing businesses, you will see that most of their time, especially if they are a business focused on being a personal brand. So this is what a lot of us, I think, are. I don't think we're necessarily talking to someone who's like running a manufacturing business or something. But if you are a personal brand or your business is very dependent on you being the face of the business, then a big part of your job is making that face as visible as possible. And that's where you will see, like even Sarah Blakely, who's the CEO of Spanx, you know, a physical product, very visible. She spends a lot of her time getting on the Today Show, making sure her products are placed different areas, talking. She has a very clear brand and presence that she's putting herself out there on a regular basis. So $10,000 in activities are going to be visibility-focused, outreach-focused interviews, guest speaking, guest teaching, podcasts, writing guest posts, things where you're not just talking to one person. Now you have an opportunity to get your message in front of thousands of people. So it's highly valuable to your business. This is also where I would put anything that's going to be um, sales one to many. So if you're doing a webinar, running a challenge, anything where you're inviting people to work with you, and again, it's not a one-on-one conversation, you have the opportunity to reach a lot of people and invite all of them to work with you. So any big sales campaign, that is a huge opportunity for you to add more value to your business. So taking the time, and again, I will um, share the graphic with Sigrun to put in the show notes. So go check it out because I literally uh, mark out like all the most common tasks (laughs) for each of these. If you track your time and write those down, you will quickly see like, are you showing up like the CEO who runs the type of business you want to run. So when I track this and I track it every single week, every day I'm writing down what I'm doing and I add up my score at the end of the week. And this week is going to be an awesome week because I'm going to break $50,000 worth of value to my business, which is double my weekly goal. If I want to show up like a seven figure CEO, I need to be adding at least $25,000 worth of value to my business a week. And that tells me very quickly, I cannot hit $25,000 worth of value if I'm spending all day in the $10 bucket, right? 
So it shifts my focus and it tells me, okay, how do I get there? I have to get at least one $10,000 activity in. I've got to do an interview. I got to do a guest post. I got to do something this week if I'm going to hit this metric. And that reprioritizes everything for me. Like once I see people go through this process, again, it's super simple. Track your time, give yourself a value amount of your time, and you will see like, are you showing up as a CEO or did you just create a job for yourself? <laughs> are you just the employee of your business? Because if you're just the employee of, like that's fine. If you really are dedicated to being the only person who answers the emails, like I don't have a problem with that. To each their own. I know some people who are, they're very clear that their emails, they will never pass off and it works for them. That's fine. But make sure the rest of those $10 an hour activities you have support around. If you're doing the email and you're doing all your bookkeeping, like, come on, give yourself a break, free up some hours, because what was a $10 an hour activity, now you can give yourself time to go out there and make a bigger impact for your business. Mm. That's a great exercise. And I can just imagine, I actually have a similar exercise in one of the modules in, in my Samba program. I can just imagine like, when you do it for a week, it was automatically shift how you think about it. So it's not like you need to do something more than just track it for a week. It will then shift your mindset. And if you do it on an ongoing basis like you do, well, every month you're like, <laughs> or every week or every day, you are really making sure you're not, oh, suddenly back in the inbox or suddenly scheduling uh, time with some people instead of outsourcing it. It's hugely clarifying. In fact, I track this because, like I said, I've got three little kids. And I'm really committed to only working 25 hours a week. That has been my commitment since I started, well, since I had my twins. So I have to protect that fiercely because it's really, let me be honest, it is really easy to work more. I love what I do. I will spend all day. <laughs> I will, it is easy. And in fact, my husband who now is home working with me, he will have to stop me and say, have you had breakfast yet? Because I just, when I'm in the zone, I'm in the zone but I get more done and I'm more efficient than most people who work twice as many hours. And I know that to be true because I've seen their timesheets. I know where they're spending their time and energy. So it's not about how much time you work. It's about how efficient you are with your time and how you are prioritizing things in your business. So I talk to women all the time. I've started um, running these quarterly CEO retreats where we're planning out week by week what they're focused on over the next quarter. And I talk to them and I'm asking, okay, how are you doing on your plan? How's it going? And the biggest thing that is keeping them from getting where they want to go is they keep getting sucked back into that $10 an hour bucket. They keep getting sucked into the inbox. They keep getting sucked into social media. And I'm like, okay, how can we protect you from that? How can we protect you from that? Does that mean we need a virtual assistant and you need to be very clear with them? Hey, if you see me in the inbox, fuss at me. And I am clear. My assistant Lane takes care of my inbox. And if she sees me in Help Scout, she will literally message me and get out of there. You are not allowed in here. And so I'm only allowed in there if I need to be. She is the person in charge of that. I also have to put filters on social media because I will scroll Instagram all day long. It is my favorite social media platform. But I have a notification that pops up on my phone that tells me if I've been on it for more than 30 minutes. If I've been on it more than 30 minutes, it's time to get off because now I'm scrolling and I'm not actually <laughs> using it strategically. So you have to be aware of these things so you can protect yourself because if you can't protect your time, your time is the most valuable asset to your business. 
you can always make more money. So if you're worried about investing in getting support, if you can invest in getting support in one of those buckets, the $10 an hour bucket or $100 an hour bucket, if you can invest and take even 10 hours a month back into your calendar, imagine what would happen if you're now focused on using those 10 hours to get interviewed or to pitch yourself for posts or speaking opportunities or what have you. Imagine what would happen if you took that time back and shifted that focus on the things that are going to help you reach and serve more people. Yeah, it's going to be amazing. So you said you plan an hour every week, but let's look at the overall. When do you plan the year ahead? I have a whole process, of course, because I'm a planner. I love planning. Like ever since I was a kid, I have been a planner. I remember in middle school, this is like early 90s, they actually started coming out with these, they called them agendas for kids to use. And it was my first introduction to like using a calendar. And I was so excited. I was like, yes, I was a total nerd about this. And I've always been this way. I'm a planner. I love planning. So I have a process I go through where I plan my full year, my full 12 months, kind of like a big picture. Actually, I have a whole free challenge all about how to do this process where I give you my exact workbook because this started when I was doing strategic planning in corporate consulting. I just tweaked it to work for me now as a small business owner. So I go through this process where I start with a year in review, what worked last year and what didn't work. This is one of the hardest parts because I think as entrepreneurs, we're so like forward focused. We so are always thinking like, what's next? What's next? But we don't tend to stop and think like what worked? What actually worked this past year? How did that go? What didn't work? What got in my way? So I've had to make a practice of being more reflective about this because I'm naturally very forward thinking. I'm not somebody who is like a journaler or let me like go back and think about what happened. I'm always thinking what's next. So the first thing is I think doing a year in review where I can go month by month and say, okay, what was I focused on? What brought in revenue? What marketing worked? What marketing didn't work? How did I feel about this month? Was there anything unusual about this month? And I always get insights when I go month by month through the previous year. So I just finished my year in review for 2018. And some of the things that came up for me, we took nine weeks off this year. I took nine weeks of vacation this year. And I didn't even realize it. <laughs> I didn't realize it at all. But it just kind of happened that way. I was like, that's awesome. What if next year I set a goal of 12 weeks off? We took nine weeks off. Oh, and I grew my business 50%. So I was like, something is working here. I need more downtime. So taking time to, to look backwards, I think is really important. Another thing I do is I look at what I want my life and my business to look like just one year from now. And I keep it to one year from now because we were talking about earlier, I can't imagine what 10 years from now will look like. I honestly can't. I feel like the world is changing too fast. Business is changing too fast. There is technology and tools and different ways of doing it. They weren't available 10 years ago. So I can't imagine what will be different 10 years from now. But I have a mission for 10 years from now. And I also have a vision for like what my family will look like and what I personally, who I want to be as a human, who I want to be as a wife and a mom and a sister and a friend. But I, I tend to stay focused on a year from now because that is more tangible to me. And I'm thinking, what do I want to change next year? So like I said, 12 weeks off of vacation next year is, is the new focus. I think about where my kids are going to be and what our family will look like. And I'm like, okay, where do we want to go on vacation? 
what upgrades do we want in our life? What changes do we want in our life? Is there anything we want to set as a family goal? I think about my life in that way. And then I think about my business. What do I want to change next year? And I'm pretty repetitive. <laughs> like I don't, I'm not somebody who's shifting focus all the time. I'm pretty consistent in that way. But I have some goals for what I want to do in the business next year. A big one for me is taking my entire team on a retreat. Not a client thing, but like take my team, let's go somewhere fun and let's just spend time together. So those are the types of things I, I plan. And then I go in through what are my top five goals for the next year? And then I start reverse engineering those and breaking them down. So once I have that big picture, I start chunking it down even smaller into what I'm doing each quarter and each quarter has a focus. Q1 tends to be a very busy focus for me because that's when most people are like, yes, I'm going to grow my business. And that's when I open my programs. Q2 tends to be a little bit more slow and predictable. Summer tends to be a great time for me to work on systems. So I already know in the summer, that's what we're doing. So I know all through next year, what I'm selling, how I'm marketing it, big picture, not nitty gritty. It's not like the emails are written, but I know what I'm focused on. I know when my vacations are. <laughs> I know when we're taking time off. I know when we're making any big upgrades in the business. And I've also thought through what do I need to support me next year? And this has been a big one. And we just talked about this, I think, before we started recording. Making this leap and holding space for this vision takes a lot more energy than I ever thought. So I realized a big focus I need next year is going to be a mastermind, a coach, my health and wellness. Like I need to double down on that because it takes a lot more, lot more energy to show up at this level than I realized it would. Yeah, that's very interesting. It feels like I feel so aligned with your message in many ways because you know, we, we do teach similar things. I also have a workshop, Plan Your Profits, also reflective back. But also this thing of health and being in a mastermind and upgrading and the upgrades. I love the upgrades. What are you going to upgrade just in your life, and your business? Like, it's not necessarily going flying first class, but it could just be an upgrade, like any type of upgrade. I think that's a great focus to have. This year, we decided... For me, it's like, what is causing friction or what is annoying? <laughs> What's annoying me? How can we fix this? So one of the things we kept running into as a family is just, we were going to the grocery store almost every single day. Like meal planning is not something I do naturally. I'm like a last minute cook, <laughs> like kind of look in there and say, What's going on? And it was just becoming a pain. Like it was causing unnecessary stress. So we were like, what can we do to make this simpler? So we signed up for a program called HelloFresh where every week, they ship you a box with three meals worth of ingredients. It's great. It's amazing. And it eliminated so much stress and time that we were wasting. That is an upgrade. And in all honesty, I ran the numbers. It didn't cost us any more than what we were already spending on groceries, probably less because now we're not ordering takeout so much. Yep. They've done tests on this. Actually, it saves you money. Yeah. And it's like upgrades don't have to cost you much. It could just be like, what is inconveniencing you? What is causing you to waste time? And you might just look around and realize, hey, I'm wasting a lot of time trying to figure out how to hook up the stupid technology. I can't tell you how many times I broke a website trying to hook like a sales page to a cart, to the email list, to the membership site. And it's like, just hire somebody, like spend $100, 
get somebody who knows what they're doing. Stop wasting 10 hours of your life on things that are inconveniencing you. That's great. So you can make a list. Anybody listening? What is annoying or frustrating and how you're going to fix it in a new year? I love that. Yes. Rachel, it's been a true pleasure. We'll link to your website, of course, in the show notes and get your graphic on how people can start to track their time. And I am with you. I want everyone who is listening or watching to think about the upgrades they can do in their life, in their personal life and their business to make 2019 your best year ever. Thank you for coming on the show, Rachel. Thanks so much for having me. Go to sigm.com forward slash 273 and there you find links to Rachel Baxter-Cook and the show notes of this episode. Thank you for listening to The Sigrun Show. Did you enjoy this episode? If you did, please share, subscribe and give the show a review on Apple Podcasts. See you in the next episode.